Oh, first question. Why does your voice change when you're talking on a podcast? I don't know. It's like a disease. Huh? It's like your phone voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you've got someone, to, when you're on the phone with someone, you talk in that voice. But really? Your normal voice isn't like that. My normal voice is hideous, that's why. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Aziz. Um, so, firstly, a little bit about Kush Digital. Kush Digital, formerly Sudan Digital, I'm sure many of you know uh, of Sudan Digital. Um, let's always start every meeting by uh, praying, inshallah, that God helps everybody in Sudan and uh, stops the war and, um, and, and protects everybody. Obviously, everyone in Sudan has been through uh just uh, an incredible situation and um and we were of course no different alhamdulillah we were uh, able to leave and re not restart we didn't really stop our business actually so push digital uh was born straight away as soon as we were in um in egypt and so now we're based in egypt we've still got clients around the world everything's going great alhamdulillah uh and but one of the things that like i've noticed is you know people really struggling to 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 get jobs, uh, particularly in the, in the Middle East, UAE, Saudi Arabia. So, um, for those of you who don't know uh, what Kush Digital is, Kush Digital is a pure play digital marketing agency. We do everything from SEO to SEM, social media, email marketing, and everything in between. Um, if you or anyone you know uh, is looking for a digital marketing agency, they can email me aziz at kush.digital, aziz at kush.digital, or you can just message me on LinkedIn. All right, so. Why? Over to you. How should we start? How should we start? I want to know. I want to go through the process of applying for a job. Where does it start? Does it start in your head, in the CV, with your hiring manager? Where does it start and how does it go about? What should I pay attention to? So I think one of the most common things that I see is that people approach the job of finding a job incorrectly. All right? The job of finding a job. And that's what it is, right? If you are unemployed and you're looking for a job, your full-time job is finding a job. So what that means is that you should wake up the time you would wake up to go to work. You should have an area where you're focused on applying for jobs. You should have a process and a task list like, like you do if you're applying for a job. And what a lot of people tend to do is they just tend to like open up LinkedIn, see jobs and hit apply. That doesn't work. Right. There's lots of reasons why that doesn't work, and I'll explain. I'll explain that um, going forward. I've had in in my career like um, periods of time where I've had to go and look for a job, and I remember one time in particular. Uh, I really wanted. I wasn't. I, I didn't have a job. I was like I was working, but I wanted to move. I wanted to advance my career. And every time I would like apply for a job, I just wouldn't get a call back. I wouldn't get any information. And so I I ended up speaking to like three or four recruiters and saying, look, this is my CV. Explain to me what the problem is. And they gave me some really candid feedback. And I actually went to a couple of them and I started looking at the process that they go through. And I learned so much through that process that by the time I perfected my process of applying for a job, I was getting offers left, right and center. It was a case of not should I move or can I get a job? It's which offers do I select? And, and that starts with the mindset. It starts with saying, okay, my job, get a job. You have to recognize the environment that you're in, right? So in the UAE, for example, it's very much a buyer's market, right? So the, the companies are in the position of power. There are more employees per role or more prospective employees per role than there are roles. So you need to stand out. Um, and there are ways to do that, and we'll hopefully, inshallah, we'll go through all of those ways uh, today. But just recognize the situation that you're in. 
And one of those easiest ways to do that is just look on LinkedIn, search marketing jobs in Dubai, and you'll see like 300 candidates. Now, that's 300 CVs that someone needs to go through, or at least that's what you think, because it doesn't really work like that. Um, so you need to stand out from those 300 people, and, and that's really what I want to go through today, exactly how I did that to get most of the, the roles that I've had in, had in the past, um, and how I've coached other people to do it. And it's a very simple process, but you have to approach it with the right mindset. Okay, that's perfect. So first of all, it's the mindset that you have to, like, put in your head. What's uh, different with the process? So um, for me, let's say that you want to apply for a job, you find the job ad, you have your CV ready, and then you send it out. That's the, basically what I think most people do. What's different about that? What are the steps? And, and you spoke to me before about starting with knowing who you are sending the CV to. So let's start with that. Yeah. So I think, like I said, if you send a CV in response to a job application, you are one of 300 people, all right? So the chances of your CV even being viewed are very slim, very slim, all right? So you have to approach it like a marketing exercise. You are selling a product. The product is you. And you are wanting to buy that product. And the buyer is the prospective employer. So if you consider yourself a product, it's much easier to see the things that you need to do. The first thing that you need to do is that you need to have multiple touch points, all right? So we know in marketing, if you bring a new brand to the market, people won't recognize that brand unless they've seen it or engaged with it on seven separate occasions. Mm -hmm. So your job is to engage with the, 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 the people that you're applying to multiple times, right? And this is... It's probably worth starting with stakeholders because this is, I think, there's a big misconception around stakeholders. I, I feel like what people are thinking is that, let's say you you, you found a job at um, uh, Acme Corp, right? Mm -hmm. And you, oh, this is a good job for me. I've got all of these skills. You send your, your CV and you sit in your way. And you yes. think, well, well, hold on. How, how is it that no, no one's responding to my job? And that can be disheartening. Yes, you start yeah. doubting, oh, there's some something wrong with my skills or my background or correct right but you need to understand that there are three stakeholders in any documentation okay. and their motivations are fundamentally different the first stakeholder is the recruitment agent mm -hmm. right the recruitment agent is probably the most important relationship that you'll build with in your in your job search how do the recruitment agencies work basically a recruitment agent will go to Acme Corp and say, do you have any jobs? Because I've got great candidates. Acme Corp will say, okay, cool. You can go and find candidates for us. Okay? And so the recruitment agent will go, they'll do LinkedIn adverts, they'll do adverts on Monster and on, on Bait and all of these websites, and they'll collect candidates. Okay? Then they'll, they'll screen the candidates, and I'll talk about that in a moment, how they do the screening. Then they'll speak to them on the phone, and then, and then they'll, they'll select, select one or two candidates to go to interview. If, if that one or two people, if one of those people is hired, then the recruitment agent gets paid. And he gets paid typically 20% of your first year's salary. Mm -hmm. So if your first year's salary is 60,000 dirhams, he'll get paid uh, 12,000 dirhams. Okay? And that's how he makes the majority of his money. So in that situation, if that's a buyer persona, right, what are his motivations? His motivations as a recruitment agent are to find the most likely candidate 
to be offered the job. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Because the most likely candidate to be offered a job is not necessarily the best candidate for the company. The most likely candidate to be offered a job is the person who can perform best at an interview. Okay? So, that's the motivation for the recruitment agent. So, my motivation here is not to get the job, it's to get the interview. Correct. Absolutely. You've done your job from the interview. And you have lots of in the numbers game. You have 10 interviews and you get two offers, then that's great, yeah? If you have zero interviews, you're going to have zero offers, mm. right? The second role in the sort of stakeholder matrix of getting a job is the HR manager. So the HR manager is HR or active for. Their motivation is fundamentally different. Their motivation is to not make a mistake, okay? So they want to hire not necessarily the best person for the role, but the safest candidate for the role. Yeah. The person who's going to come in, who's going to be reliable, and is not going to create problems for the HR um, manager. So that's like the second uh, stakeholder. And then the final stakeholder is the hiring manager, mm-hmm. right? And the hiring manager, his job, he, he is what you think. He's the person who wants the best possible person for the, for the role. But there are two stages before the hiring manager in almost, almost every job right? right? He's not the first person that like sees your rarely, yeah. only if it's a small company, but rarely is the first person that you'll meet. So knowing those stakeholders is is really important. If you understand the stakeholders, you understand their motivations, then you can talk to them in a specific way. So I have a question. Based on what you said, that means that I have to approach the how I write my CV, how I apply for jobs differently for each one of those three stakeholders. No, not okay. Okay. Let me explain why. Your CV has only got one purpose. To get you a phone call. That's it. To get you a phone call from that recruitment agent. Okay? That's the only purpose of the CV. Mm-hmm. Let me explain. Like, when you sit in front of the hiring manager, the HR manager, whatever it is, yeah, your CV has essentially gone out the window. They now have real first-hand information. Okay? They have you in front of them. They can ask you real-life questions so they can understand you better. All right? Your CV, its only purpose, not to reflect all of the things that you've done and have like five pages of, of text. Nobody reads that. Nobody reads that. And I'll explain why in a second and, and how they actually manage CVs. So the CV, its only job is to get you that phone call from the recruitment agent. Okay? So, um, so let's talk about the, the, the mechanics of how CV, CVs work, right? You think, how you like? I'm going to use the typically words because we had this conversation before, right? Yes. <laughs> you think you send your email or you apply on LinkedIn, and a CV comes to a hiring manager, and he opens the CV and he reads maybe the first page, maybe the second page, whatever it is, and he yeah. goes, "Oh, that's a good candidate. I'm going to choose that one." Like what I wrote means something to someone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't. That's oh. not how it works. Your private job, CV goes to something called an ATS, an applicant tracking system. Mm-hmm. Most of the ATSs nowadays are AI-driven, mm. right? So that AI reviews your job specification, reviews the job specification, reviews your CV, and then says X percent match. This is a 92% match. And only those people that match best against the CV, or against the job specification, will receive the call. So... That means when I'm writing my 
when I'm writing my CV, it's not about writing the best, like it's not the best way of describing my skills or all that. It's about matching the job application. Yes. I mean, you should reflect your skills in the very best possible way, right? Because when you go into the ATS, let's say it says 92% match. If they open the CV and you just fill in loads of keywords, then you won't get a call, right? You want to reflect yourself in the best possible way. But the first thing, first thing to do is take that job. If you're going to use AI at all, and I don't recommend it to write your CV, but if you're going to use AI at all, like ChatGPT or WriteSonic or anything like that, take the job specification, drop it into ChatGPT and say, what are the keywords for this job spec? For this job spec? And it'll give you 10 keywords. In your CV, have a section which is like core skills or you can even just call it keywords, right? Take those keywords and drop it into the CV in that section. Then every time you apply for a job, you don't have to change your whole CV every time, but you change those keywords so that at least you know the ATS is going to match you against those keywords, all right? The other thing that people, I see this all the time in CVs, they, they, the thing that um, they have to write those, you don't. If you've got five three years' experience, mm-hmm. four years' experience, even five years' your CV is one page, and it shouldn't be any more than one page. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You haven't got enough experience for it to be any more than one page. I've been doing this for 20 years. My CV is two pages. Okay? And that's how it has to be. Another point, really important, right, is... Some people, they'll, they'll get a graphic designer to go to Photoshop and create this really beautiful CV. And, and I've seen it, and they pay for it, and it looks fantastic. Yeah. Okay? If you do that, you're guaranteed not to get any job offers. And I'll explain why. Because the ATS can't read JPEGs, PNGs. Yeah? It can read a PDF or a Word document. That's why your CV, I've seen your CV, it's just, uh, your CV is Word. Yes. On a blank page. It has nothing to do with design or... Correct. Because you want the ATS to be able to read your CV. If it can't read it, it can't rank you. You'll get a 0% ranking. Now, again, you've got to go back. You're thinking, yeah, but, like, surely the recruitment agent, they want to find the best candidate. No, they don't. No, they don't. Their motivation is finding the candidate who will close uh, an interview or get off the job. And they're running 10 different jobs at the same time, right? 20 sometimes. So speed is important. That's why they let the ATS do the work. All right? So just to differentiate here. The recruitment agency uh, works with many companies and try to get them uh, to fill those roles that those companies need, while the HR manager is confined to one company and they want to lower the like the issues that could arise in the future from this candidate. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, what are the issues I've seen with CVs? Oh, this is a really common one. As we know, right? Yeah. Is um, Imagine that you're applying for a social media manager role, right? And in the past, you have worked as a social media manager. In that scenario, when you do your bullet points under, you know, social media manager at company X or however long you was, your bullet points, I've seen it a lot where people say, set up Facebook, Facebook Instagram, Twitter, Twitter and TikTok, you know, uh, scheduled posts, or da, da, da. Well, of course you did all those things because you're a social media manager. Yeah, it's irrelevant for you to write those things under that role. Your job. Yeah, that's your job, right? What you have to put is your achievements, and you have to make it empirical, right? Numbers-based. So increase Facebook followers by 50% um, over six months. Uh, Launch Snapchat and drove an extra 400,000 impressions over nine months. Whatever it is, but empirical, numbers-driven. 
why numbers burn, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is a product and you have a buyer. You're the product, the hiring manager and the HR, they're the buyers, right? So as a, if I'm a hiring manager and I see a CV for a social media manager and it says increase Facebook followers 50%, I'm essentially looking at that and saying, I want to buy that result. If I want to buy that result. But now, now I'm going to go to that person because that person has already done it. He can bring those same results to me. Thank you. How do we, uh, I have this problem a lot. How do I differentiate between what I do normally and what is considered to be an achievement or a result? Like in the, in a mindset way, like a lot it's of people. A issue. <laughs> okay. It's a really Sudanese issue because people don't like, um, isn't there a Sudanese saying like, Iblis Shekhar Nefso or something like that? Yeah. Like, people don't like to recognize their achievements because they feel like it's being arrogant. Yeah. You don't have much growth in this situation. You must recognize your achievements. Okay. And I see that I'm in like in senior leadership roles in, in, in Sudan. People say, well, that's just my job. Yeah, it is just my job. But you did a great job at it, right? So you need to recognize your achievements, write them down, and then add them into your CV empirically with numbers. So Evidence. Evidence-based achievements. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we have two people who want to ask questions. We're just going to keep going for another 10 minutes, Musab and Amru. And, and give you the chance to ask your questions so that we can have sure. everyone ask. Um, can we go through uh, the structure of um, the process? So first of all, you, you spoke about finding the, uh, knowing who you're talking to, your stakeholders, and how to approach that. And there is an ATS system, and your job is to get an interview by matching that ATS. So what about the CV and uh, talking to the person? Let's assume that it worked. Yeah. And you're getting a phone call. Yeah. What do I do then? Like, All right. Well, there's a couple of steps before that, right? So first thing, one more thing on the CV. Yeah. Really, really important, right? Mm-hmm. Is that job titles differ around the world, right? Yeah. That's really important. Now, I, I'm never going to encourage people to lie on their CV. Sorry, there's two points. I'm never going to encourage people to lie on their CV. But you do have to make it approachable for the reader. So let's say, for example, there's a job role in Sudan called team leader, right, or team lead. And that's a relatively senior position. In the UK, team lead is not a relatively senior position. I'll give you a tangible example. Take um, director of marketing. In the UK, director of marketing is the most senior marketing person, unless there is a CMO, a chief marketing officer. Typically, the director of marketing reports either to the CMO or to the CEO, Okay. That same job, director of marketing, in the U.S. is a mid-level position, right? They will report to a senior director or, in some cases, to a VP, but very rarely straight to the CEO. Do you understand? Yes. So that same job title means things, different things in different places. And it's totally okay. Team leaders are a good example from Sudan. Yes. In the U.K., we wouldn't call a person who does that job a team leader. We would call them a head of. Head of marketing, head of CRM. So I have to rewrite, I have to like change the context, not change the context, but change the, the role depending on, because I'm doing the same job Correct. here and there, but it's different names. Correct. And so team leader sounds like a different job from. It is a different job in other parts of the world. Okay. So I have to know the role that I'm applying for before um, adding those that titles in my CV. Correct. And it's okay to do that, by the way, because the ATS, again, will match on how did the person work this job before, mm. right? 
to the match on that point. Yeah. So it's okay, for example, if you're a team lead, but, you know, um, active company, head of marketing, bracket, team lead, first bracket, then you're explaining that this is the level that I was at, it's within the country I was working, that's what they called the job. It's okay to do, to do that. It's not lying, like some people would say. And just stick to the job title in their company. Yeah, no, you can, you can absolutely, you've got to contextualize the content. Okay, back to your question about the process, yeah. right? So, once you've sent your application, you need touch points. Yes. The first thing that I would do after sending, I've optimized my CV, I've in the keywords, and I've sent the application. Most people stop there. Don't stop there, right? Mm-hmm. What you do now is you search for the person who posted that job. It's normally a recruiting agent, okay? And they've got 300 candidates that they've got in their ATS now. You search on LinkedIn. Sometimes they make it easy and they say, posted by, and it's a specific person. But most people don't like being bombarded, so they don't do that. So you go to the company, and then you search in the company who's most likely to be doing, who's most likely to be managing this specific role. And then you message that person and say, hey, uh, I, I think you're managing this role. I applied for it. I'm not asking for anything um, specific, but I can see that you're really experienced in the market. I'd love to get your advice on X, Y, Z, whatever it is, but you have a touch. You touch the person directly. And And that that way, way, you know, if they start having a conversation, that's great. And we'll talk about how that can benefit you long term as well. But also, they've seen your name on their LinkedIn, and now they've seen it in the ATS. They're going to open your CV. You've increased the chances of them opening and looking at your CV. The other thing is, some of them will come back and they'll go, yeah, actually, um, let's have a coffee and discuss. And that's really important. Because around 50%, yeah, it happens. Around 50% of jobs are not advertised. That's really important for people to know. Think about it this way. Recruitment agencies often work where a a hiring manager will have five recruitment agencies. And they'll say, here's the job, all five of you go and compete to find the candidate. But sometimes they have one recruitment agency that has an exclusivity agreement. And they're the only recruitment agency has that job. In that case, the recruitment agency won't advertise the job because, because their competitors work with the company and the time Oh, I did not know that. So how do they... They use their data. Right? Their ATS. They've been running recruitment agency for 10 years. They've got, you know, 500,000 CVs in their ATS. Oh, so... Or they'll outreach. They'll reach out to people specifically. That's more common in senior roles, but it happens, and it happens a lot. So if you can get in front of a recruitment agent and just have a coffee and show yourself, then they feel comfortable. What you want to do is you want to get the recruitment agent to feel comfortable that if he puts you in front of a hiring manager, you're going to close that job. You're going to get that job, and he's going to get his commission. That's the objective. Get him to feel that level of comfort. Does that make sense? Yes. So yeah, become more familiar and more um, known compared to other people who are more strangers and just CV names on paper. Correct. So uh, let's go back to let's assume that um, I got a um, I got the keywords in I've got everything uh, I, I'm well matched. Uh, what if I got an interview? What do I do then? Uh, so, so if you've uh, got an interview, <laughs> then the first, first step is not interview, right? The first step on phone call. Yes, we spoke about yeah. Did we, did we speak about that? Yeah, I, I've asked and. And I've asked them to ignore me, yeah. Standard. Yeah. Oh, don't though. When you get the phone call, know who the person is on the other end. If it's the HR, that's great, but most likely it's the recruitment agent. 
your job on that phone call is to convince the recruitment agent that you're well qualified for the role and you will get the role if you're put in front of for an interview. That's it. That's your job. Okay. Then sometimes you'll have one with the HR manager. Your job for the HR manager is to make them comfortable that you're going to be a good employee and you're going to add value to the company and you're, you know, you're, you're you not won't quit in a month from now and, and cause problems. That's another thing. Keep remembering stuff as we discuss, right? If you're one of those people who jumps from job to job, you've got to be direct and honest about it. It's, people think that the problem is... People look at your CV and people go, oh, oh he's, he's not committed, he's not committed, right? right. Um, and you're thinking in your mind, oh, but I've just never found the right job, yeah? For you, that's your story. That's your story in your own head. Yeah. Nobody cares, <laughs> right? And that's not the reason why it's a problem. Okay. The reason it's a problem is because recruitment agents, almost all recruitment agencies, have something called a pre-replacement, which means if you hire a candidate, you, and that person leaves within three months, sometimes it's six months, the recruitment agency have to find another candidate for free. They basically have to do the all the work. So if your CV says three months here, three months here, three months here, three months here, you won't even get it. You won't even get a call. Because the ATS will immediately filter you out. You're not a safe option. You are not a safe option at all, neither for the HR manager nor the recruitment agent. So how do I deal with that? If that actually happens, if I... I have those jumps and I'm actually I was looking for the right job um, and I plan to find the right place and stay how do I reflect that in, in my CV without actually you can get away with one or a maximum of two short stints no more than that though, all right because again I can't encourage people to like lie on their CVs but consider not adding some of the roles that you've worked in consider leaving those out um, as blank spaces and highlight the ones that you've spent the longest time in. Yeah. And so um, after I've, after I've got the phone call and um, I've spoken to the recruitment manager and using a lot of the skills that I'm going to talk about as well, the skills that are not tangible only when you're interacting face-to-face or on the phone with someone. And they call me for an interview. And a lot of people struggle at that, at that phase. Yeah. The first thing to say is that, is that if you've been calling for the first phone call, congratulations, you've done your job. Right? Like we said at the start, start the process with mindset and viewing getting a job as your job. Get up in the morning as if you can go to work. Go to work. Go work there. Right? Get your free refills of coffee every day and work. Right? If you've got the phone calls, you've done your job. Right? If you keep doing your job, then you will get offers. It's just a matter of time and process, okay? So once you've got the phone calls, we've discussed that, and then we've got the interviews, um, and I'm going to talk about that, but just before I talk about that, um, thank you to uh, everyone who has joined. If anyone else has questions as well, as, as opposed to just uh, Moskab and Amro, um, please uh, jump up to the top, and in a few minutes we'll start taking questions. Um, just to reset the room, so we're talking about uh, the frustration of being uh, hired, uh, particularly in the Middle East. Uh, I'm Aziz, this is Wahed with me. Uh, we're from Coast Digital, Coast Digital, Coast Digital, Digital Marketing Agency. We only do digital marketing with our clients uh, around the world. Um, formerly Sushan Digital, you may have known us uh, by that name. Uh, we do email marketing, digital, uh, social media, SEM, SEO, 
and everything in between. Lead generation. By the way, the lead generation process is very similar to this process that I'm discussing here. Um, so anyone who feels that they know someone or they themselves in their company may need digital marketing expertise, uh, give us a shout. You can email me as these at push.digital or you can just jump on LinkedIn and, uh, and send me a message. So, um, what happens when you get to your, an interview? Firstly, well done. You got an interview, all right? Yes. Definitely. Arrive on time, but not, uh, not too early. If your interview is at 2 p.m. and you arrive at 1 p.m., you've just inconvenienced everybody. Don't arrive an hour early. Arrive a maximum of 15 minutes early. And never arrive late. If you arrive, arrive late, then just, just forget about it, all right? Because that will, that's an instant black mark on your... On your, uh, on your CV, it's an instant black mark. So just arrive 15 minutes early, but a maximum of 15 minutes early. Okay. Dress appropriately. If you don't know what appropriately is, overdress. All right? You can ask, by the way. It's perfectly legitimate to ask questions, particularly the recruitment agent. Yeah, you can ask the recruitment agent lots of things. Right? You can say, what should I wear to the interview? Um, what's the dress code of that company? Um, what kind of weaknesses do you see in my CV that I should address if I get an interview? Things like that. I would assume I, wouldn't, I don't want to ask those questions because I don't want to show any weaknesses. But like you said, the recruitment agent's motive is that you get the job because they don't have to do the same work again if you don't get the job. Correct. And if you ask those questions, in the recruitment agent's mind, it's like, okay, cool, this guy is preparing himself for these things. I'm feeling more confident about this. And they're going to help you even more. And they're going to help you. Or it's not more help you, it's more give you the right guidance, but they're going to sell you to the client. That's the most You're a product, and he's a broker, and you, you want your broker to sell you to the client in the end, right? Okay. What about attitude or presence during the interview? You want to be likable. It's the most important thing. Whenever you go to any interviews, be likable. Be a likable person, right? I'm sure you all are, are likable. And it's a difficult thing to, and I can see it in your face, you're like, oh, what does that mean? Oh. Yeah, like, what do I do to make, to kind of... Just be nice. Be, be, be welcoming, you know. Handshake. Uh, hello, look people in the eye. Don't look down on the floor. Uh, answer questions honestly and directly. Um, ask questions, you know. Be engaging. Be nice. Uh, it's more difficult for some people than it is for others. I think a lot of people I know train a lot about answering questions with the right answers. So, like, people practice all the time. What do I answer if someone asks me, uh, what is your salary expectations? Or um, what is what are your plans for the next five years? And they're rehearsing how to answer those questions in terms of choosing the right answer to say rather than how are you going to convey yourself during those yeah, like only 20% of communication is through voice. The other 80% is non-verbal communication, mm-hmm. all right? It's, you know, you have, how you're perceived, right? You've got to work on that too. You've got to have the right answers too, but you've got to work on how you perceive, all right? So, maybe, maybe the best way to do that is to expose yourself to strangers and see how their impression is of you and... There's lots of ways to do it. Experience is helpful. Mostly, the more interviews you get, the easier it becomes. Right? But again, it is a numbers game. So if you go, like I remember right at the start I was talking about when I was at um, one company, I wanted to move to another company. I wasn't getting any roles. And then I spoke to recruitment agents and I went through this process. I, I delivered this process. That we discussed. I went from like, six months of getting no interviews to within the three months after that, I had nine job offers, not interviews, job offers. 
nine. And I could select the offer that I wanted. And you're the same person with the same skills. Exactly the same person, same skills, just different attitude, different process. Mm -hmm. And that's the important thing. Just go through that process and have the right attitude as you go. And the thing is as well is that you've got to understand the environment that you're in. Right. So if you're in the UAE, yeah, and you're coming from, let's say, Sudan, you're coming from Sudan, and you were a head of marketing, a team leader in Sudan, right? You've got to recognize how the people at the other side of that CV are going to read that, what are they going to say? Because even if you were the, the biggest company in Sudan, Dalgroup, right? No one knows who Dalgroup is. Mm-hmm. You haven't worked for, um, like a well-known brand according to your CV. Yeah? Yes. So you don't have to recognize how are people looking at that, right? And so you shouldn't apply to you think oh, I'm ready to take the step to director of marketing. If you apply for a director of marketing, what do you get it? Mm. The question then comes to your motivation. Do you want a job to further your career, or do you want to? Is it something else? Is this? A, and look, let's just be honest about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, particularly where we're from, they want jobs to say they've got a job at a specific company, right? And, you know, they want to be able, their parents to be able to say, I work, you know, my son works at Zinn. That's what they want, right? Okay, if that's your motivation, then I'm not sure that this person is going to help you too much. If your motivation is to get a job, get on the career ladder, get your residence visa to build your process, uh, your, 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 um, your, your profile in a specific country, then target jobs that you're more likely to get. Okay? I think that's really important to do. Okay. Um, like the the appropriation of roles to your to your background. There is one thing that we also spoke about. Um, a lot of interviews at the end of it, they ask you, "Do you have any questions at the end of the interview?" Oh yeah, that and, used to drive me crazy in Sudan. Yes, because I think a lot of people also shy away from answering that question by saying, "No, I don't have any questions. Everything's fine." I think nobody. How many interviews did we do? A lot. Uh, hundreds, right? Yes. I can't remember a single person who we'll actually ask. asked the question to that question. The thing is, people think that that question is like an honest question. They think the question is, do you have any questions? Do you have anything you want to ask us? Like, in other words, do you have any doubts? Do, yeah, what or, are your greatest fears with this job? Yeah, or like, how can I make you feel comfortable? That's not the purpose of that question. What is the purpose of that question? To see if you've done your research. About the they company. Are, yeah, they're waiting to see. Have you done any research on this company, and do you ask pertinent questions? So what so, kind of? So one might be like, um, I noticed that three months ago you signed a new client. How would would I be working with that client in this role? And if not, which clients would I be working with? Mm. Or um, I noticed that you uh, recently hired a director of operations. What would my engagement be with that director of operations? Or I noticed that you launched a new product six months ago. How are sales going for that? And is there anything I can do in this role to improve that? You see, the more trying, specific. you've got to get right. You've got to show, demonstrate in your question that you've done research on the client. You know what you're doing. Yeah. You're not just rocking up hoping to get a job. It's not like, when did the company start yeah. working? Yeah, don't ask that. Yeah. You know, when did the company, or how long have you been open? That, no, you should know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I have a, a lot more questions, but I think it's better to get Musab and Amru to start asking their questions. And then if they're the same as mine, we'll just skip my questions. Right. Um, so you go ahead and see Musab. Um, Musab or, or Amru? Let's go with Musab because I think he was first, right? Yes. Okay. 
Welcome, welcome, Masab. So, Masab, actually, a fantastic question there, which is really around stakeholder stakeholder engagement and stakeholder management. Okay, so what I said before is strictly not necessarily true. When I said that there are only three stakeholders inside the company itself, there could be twenty stakeholders because no role really works in isolation, right? So, let's say. And this uh, this applies to anything. If you're trying to find a client, if you're trying to get a job, whatever form of lead generation, what you've got to do is you've got to understand the stakeholder map, stakeholder mapping, right? And you have to understand where the power dynamic mm. exists. So the hiring manager may seem like, in our case, it's a hiring manager, uh, may seem like the the most influential person when it comes to making this decision, right? Mm. But Unless you ask the question, you don't know if anyone else is going to be involved in that process. So I'm going to, I'm going to move away from, um, from, from getting a product, selling a product, selling a service. More sort of directed there. I do want to answer it more directly than that. So let's say that we're selling push digital. Yeah. And I'm speaking to their director of marketing and I give them a pitch and a proposal and all of that. And you'll know because you've been on so many pitches and proposals that like, I always ask the question, Who's the decision maker here? Who has the power to say yes or no? Exactly. And that is the killer question, right? Because they'll almost always say, oh, it's, it's me. And I'm like, great. But who else is involved in that decision? Because no man is an island, right? And you've got to create a map of stakeholders. And you've got to be able to touch each of those stakeholders one by one. So normally what happens, and it happens on the first call that we have, is like, okay, cool. So the CEO is um, an influencer, the procurement director is an influencer, you're an influencer, and the head of customer services is an influencer. Mm-hmm. Hey, would it be possible for me to talk to all of you together in our proposal? Um, and, if, and if not, I'm more than happy to come and talk to them individually. Is that okay? And then that way, what you're trying to do is you're trying to manage that buying that, that buying um, decision-making process uh, through the stakeholders. By influencing the, by influencing the influencers of the decision. Correct, correct. And you can always tell if you've got that process wrong because you're selling, I'm selling Coach Digital and everything's going great and then we get to a contract signing and then the deal dies, right? And if that happens, that means I missed the stakeholder. I missed somebody really influential, right? And oftentimes that person who's really influential can be in a totally different department. Mm. It could be a a non-executive director in a company. It could be um, uh, a procurement manager. You it's not about work. their seniority in the role. It's about their influence. Correct. Uh, their on hurt. that specific decision. And mm-hmm. so finding those th- th- those uh, nexuses of influence is really important. And, and then, then taking the time to, to go through those those people and and and, um, and and pitching yourself if you're looking for a job or your proposal. I hope that answers your question. Must have a little uh, thumbs up would um, be great in case it did or didn't. And we can uh, add. We can move on to Amru. Uh, but also, if anyone else has a question, please prepare a question in your mind and then raise your hand, and we'll have you on after Amru. Thank you very much, Amru. And you're quite right. I think that like. Um, exactly as I would have just said, one of the most important things, uh, if you, particularly if you're very early in your career, is self-development. You've got to focus a lot of your energy on self-development. And also, quite right, when I actually first did this process, I had no idea about the same mapping. That was like a phase three thing where I really understood it. But 
I think naturally I'm a bit of a salesman, so I kind of got an understanding that people were influenced by people and, and, it, and it took some effort. I want to go back to one of the things that he said, um, which is really important. Something I've said to you guys like loads. People in Sudan have a superpower and they just never really understood they had a superpower. Uh, and I'm hoping that they'll start to recognize they have a superpower. And that superpower is exactly like what I'm going to say, which is the ability to deal with like, extraordinarily, extraordinary levels of crap, right? Just getting to work in the morning is an entire, <laughs> you know, getting up at 5 a.m., going to get the bread for the house, going find the morsalat. There is no morsalat. Take an extra run here. Finally get to another place, take another morsalat. Like, just getting to your job. And then... Imagine if it rains as well. And then it yeah. rains and you have to do all of that sort of rain. Like, the amount of resilience that these people have been able to, um, to Don't create see, yeah. is, is extraordinary. I hope that they get to, um, to explore that in a job context as well. So thank you very much, uh, Amro, for your, uh, inputs. Uh, I'll bring Ahmed up unless you've got anything to add. Yeah, no, I'm waiting for Ahmed. Okay. Okay, great question. So um, I'm going to drop you down below and then I'll answer your question. So uh, first and foremost, um, it's it's certainly not 100% uh, AI-driven, the selection process. You've got to imagine you've got 10 roles, each role has, has a recruitment agent. 10 roles, each role has got 300 applications. That's 3,000 CVs to look through. No, you're not going to do that. The AI basically selects the most appropriate ones for you to look at. To answer um, Ahmed's question more directly, um, you should you should definitely talk about illnesses that would affect your ability to do a job. Um, but so, for example, if you are um, if you're in a wheelchair, whatever reason, uh, and you are applying for a job at a call centre, well, that doesn't impact your ability to do the job. So there's no need to mention that, okay? Uh, but if you, if, you know, if you're uh, blind and you are applying for a social media manager role, that impacts your ability to do the job, and there's some mention of that somewhere. Uh, okay. Um, time is running out. We've got a few minutes, so we'll let Ahmed um, jump back in uh, for a quick. Uh, extra bit of content from Ahmed. Oh no, Ahmed's gone. Does anyone else? Oh, or did you bring him in? No, he's back. Here we go. One sec. Yeah, I think you're you're you're, you're completely right. And actually, I would say, like, yeah. I actually refuse people to. I, I wouldn't allow people to see the CVs basically before we got to it. And I'm going to drop you down uh, just to build up on your. Um, Point. On your point there, because it's a really good point, right? Which is, I wouldn't go as far as to say that um, most leaders don't read TVs. That's not necessarily true. But what is in truth, what is true, is to recognise what your CV is. Your CV is not an exhaustive list of everything that you've done. Its only objective is to get you a phone call or an interview, a phone call, so that people call. then get to know you. Correct. And as soon as you're in front of somebody. CV basically disappears because you've got real-world information to work with and you can see if someone's BSing you or not. All right, uh, Hala, let's jump. Uh, Hala. Hello, Osman. Uh, and sorry, uh, Amro, I kept calling you Ahmed, but it was very much Amro. Apologies. So there's a couple of different scenarios at play. So the first one is that what do you do if you studied something entirely different to the thing that you worked in? Okay, well, that's perfectly normal, I think, nowadays. Unless you, like, studied medicine, um, you know, I think generally speaking, you know, people do move away from the, the thing that they've studied 
university it's degrees. It's a norm yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Certainly for me, it's an important, the most important thing from a degree is to make sure they finish the degree. Like It shows that they can stick something out for four years. That's yes. probably the most important thing. In Hannah's case, though, she's tried a few different things, okay? And then maybe she's settling now on a specific career path. So her question is, how do you... Um, turn that into a positive. Well, it is inherently a positive. That's the first and most important thing to say, that when you have diverse experience, that is a positive thing. You can bring different skill sets. It's like tools, right? If you're a if you're a carpenter and you have a box of tools, but you've only got a hammer in there, then there's not a great deal you can do. But if you've got lots of different tools, then you can approach problems in different ways. And that's true of people's careers too. So um, I would firstly be positive personally about it and Check your own attitude. Make sure that your your attitude is one of positivity uh, around the fact that you have a diverse experience. And then, secondly, highlight it like in the personal statement. Highlight the fact that you know you have a variety of experience which allows you to do X Y Z or solve problems in X Y Z or view companies in X Y Z framework. So I think that it is a positive. Keep it as a positive, um, and, and don't be afraid to um, talk about it. Yeah, uh, on that point, I think a lot of millennials face that problem. Uh, and I'm one of them. I've, I've studied pharmacy, Hala, and I'm working as a in digital marketing right now, which is like a far stretch. But what I would want to say is that um, when you want to change from one, it's not changing. You're not changing the path, but you have a specific skill set that worked for you in your previous career that is going to work for you in your future careers, and then focus on that. So, for instance, if your skill is people management, that's the skill, regardless if it works in medicine or pharmacy or in marketing or program management or whatever that is. And that skill might be needed in the next um, um, job that you're applying for. So find the thread, the common denominator between all of the things that you've done that make you, the reason that you're shifting is, is not because you don't know how to do that job and now you want to do another job that you have to you know, start from scratch. The reason is that you are exploring just a new interest from a different vantage point, um, but you have a skill that worked at that previous job that's going to work for you in the next job, and that's what you need to focus on in your CVs uh, or in your uh, job application. I hope that helped. All right. That was good fun. I enjoyed that. Time's up. Uh, sorry, Ambro. Uh, time's up. We're going to close it there. Um, so a few things. So firstly, uh, thanks for everyone who joined, everyone who contributed, uh, great contributions, great questions. Um, we are hopefully going to post this um, as a blog um, very soon. And we're going to carry on. I think we're going to carry on with Coach, uh, Coffee with Coach, right? Yes. Like we're going to be discussing different things. I'm going to surprise Aziz with some of the subjects. Um, but what Maybe I want... on Thursday, Thursday morning? Yes, yeah, let's Thursday, on morning. Thursday morning. We'll try and keep it, like, regular. Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday. We've got a load of stuff that we... The thing, how Coffee with Kush started is that me and Mohaj get into the office early and we talk about nonsense all the time. And yes. so we thought, let's turn this into some sort of podcast. That would be much more fun. Let's have other people hear the nonsense we discuss. Exactly. Um, so, final point. Um, so, uh, those of you who don't know Kush Digital, we're a pure play digital marketing agency. We do everything in digital marketing, email marketing, social media, SEM, SEO, and everything between clients around the world. Uh, we're pretty awesome. If you uh, have any clients uh, that you think, or if your company wants to work with us, give us a shout. You can email me, aziz at kush.digital. And uh, thank you very much for uh, joining today. I hope you enjoyed it and you found it useful. And we will see you next time.